Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hello, leader, and welcome to the Still Space Podcast, episode 58. Today we're talking about feelings. They are your ticket to career and life freedom. And I know there's probably a number of you who are saying, yuck, we're going to talk about feelings. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to think about it. In this episode, we're going to discuss how avoiding feelings pushes us away from exactly what we want. And we're going to learn how to identify feelings to get rid of anxiety, not think that anxiety is going to happen if we have to feel a certain feeling. And we're going to use those good feelings to build better relationships. Now, let me suggest to you, you can search on the internet feelings wheel and lots of feelings wheels will come up and I think it's good for you to run off one or two of them because it really helps to cement in your mind the difference the feeling will make in how you show up because there are a whole host of feelings that we feel when our needs are being met And then there are a whole host of feelings when our needs aren't being met. So here are some of the ones when you are happy and your needs are being met. You may feel confident. You may have self-esteem. You may feel encouraged, empowered, happy, excited, ecstatic, grateful. But when your needs are not being met, those feelings are unhappy, grief, sorrow, pain, hurt, depressed, overwhelmed, startled, distracted, astonished. And a lot of these different feelings feed into just a few very poignant feelings. So if you're feeling happy, ecstatic, excited, and grateful, that's joy. If you're feeling engaged and fascinated, and entranced and energetic, that's intrigued. Still a very positive feeling. But if you're unhappy and feeling grief and sorrow and pain and hurt and depressed, that means you're sad. And the sad feeling, that loss of the sadness that we feel when things aren't going well, We don't really identify with sad. We're more on the periphery with grief, I'm unhappy, I'm hurt, I'm depressed, I might even be angry. But the one we're trying to avoid is sad. And if we can just sit with sad, 
we can be with sad and allow ourselves to feel every aspect of what it is to be sad, that feeling starts to diminish. And when we avoid it and we armor up with, I'm going to be tougher, I'm just going to soldier on, I'm going to make this work no matter what, the sadness resurfaces later with a guard over it that makes us maybe afraid or anxious or overbearing or terribly angry or persecuting. And that's not truly who we are. So I want you to think when you're feeling a certain way, dig a little deeper to what might be at the root of that feeling. Because if you're in a caring mood or you're connected or you're feeling very affectionate, you know, that all leads to love. You're being very loving. But if you're afraid and vulnerable and scared and anxious and insecure, that overarching feeling of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of how I might be rejected and scorned and made fun of and embarrassed and turned away, that can be devastating if we don't know what to do with it. So think of the last really sad thing that happened to you. It might have been the loss of a loved one. It may have been you were laid off from a job. It might have been a move that you had to make that you didn't want to make because you really cared about the people that lived in your community. But bring to mind something that made you sad, okay? I can think of the loss of my father. I was so grief-stricken. I really had a difficult time mourning his death. And I'm a coach, I'm a CEO, I'm a leader, and I knew it was taking me far longer to process this than it probably should have, should I don't like is a word, but that's what kept running through my mind. Why am I having such a hard time with this? Why can't I look at his picture without crying? Why can't I get over this? I'm very good at stuff like this. And the truth was, while I was sad that he was gone, I was avoiding the next phase of my life where I now needed to move into a more of a matriarchal role in my family dynamic. And I just didn't want to take that on. I didn't want that responsibility. I liked being the little girl. And I had to sit with the feeling and really dig down deeply within myself with questions like this to help me process this. All right, I accept that I'm sad. I accept that my father is gone. I accept that that story of my life, that phase of my life, now has closed. The chapter has ended. But why can't I move on? Okay, what is it that I don't want to let go of? And that question really sparked within me. I don't want to let go of being somebody's little girl, which I now understand that I can be that little girl. I can be his daughter the rest of my life. What I didn't want to identify with was being the daughter who was sad, who couldn't get over missing her father. So I sat and asked myself more questions, okay? I already went through, what do I not want to let go of? What is it that I want to do now? 
well, I had a lot of things that I needed to do that I really didn't want to do, right? So my mother was still living, and eventually she had to go into a nursing home, and I had to clean out the house and take care of all of those things and sell the house, and then I ended up having to sell my mother's brother's house because she was the executrix of his will and I was the POA. She couldn't do it. So I had all of these responsibilities falling on top of me and now my sorrow was turning into resentment. You know, I didn't want to have to do all of these things. And when we focus a lot on what we don't want to do, it's very frustrating and limiting. So that's why I started asking myself, well, what do you want to do, Mary Lee? We already know what you don't want to do are all of these chores to tie up all the loose ends on these estates. What do you want to do? Okay, so that was harder. What do I want is always harder than what do I not want. Ask yourself right now, what do you not want? A lot of things that you don't want, but it's harder to come up with what do I want, and that was tough. I had to take a piece of paper and draw a matrix on it down the left-hand side. All right, these are the things I don't want. What do I do want? And that was really hard. I didn't have anything to fill in on the line. I really didn't want to step into being in charge of this family. I was the oldest child. I had four children of my own. I have a, a new husband, and I'm, I just didn't want a whole lot more responsibility. I run a $33 million organization by day, a lot of responsibility at work, people that I manage, projects that I manage, but what do I want? And after I sat and breathed deeply and let go of all of the things that I am responsible for, I realized, well, what I want is just to be respected and acknowledged and free. And when I thought more about that, I want to be respected, acknowledged, and free. I realized I had respect from my family. I had respect from all of my team in my office who are wonderful. And I had freedom except for the overbearing nature of the chore-like things that were going on in my day-to-day -day life. Like the bank would call, have to finalize the estate, have to go down to the county courthouse, have to arrange with a realtor, have to arrange with somebody to sell all the things through the house. Okay, what do I do want? I want a little bit of freedom. And I started letting some of these things that I were tasks specific that I was responsible for, letting those things go to others. Now, there were members of the family who didn't want to pick up the slack on some of those things, right? But my children and my husband were very helpful. And my husband took over one aspect of it. My One of my kiddos helped me clean out the house and go over there and, and say our goodbye to that house, give it the respect and the honor that it deserved. And what I found in letting some of these things go that I could do nothing about, I found that I was trying to control the whole situation. So what is it that I wanted? I wanted freedom, and I found that in something that has served me my entire life, and that is art. I am not a good artist, but I love to create. And I got my watercolors out, and I was painting seashells, and I started a little business doing that because people loved the scenes that I was painting onto this, the seashells that I had collected. 
and I sold those through Etsy for a while and I did paintings of Hilton Head Island which is a place that I absolutely adore and those were selling and that became my creative outlet through asking myself what do you want I wanted freedom from all of these overbearing responsibilities what I got from it was a clearing that showed me Mary Lee go back to the things that make you happy and that was art for me so think about how we started this discussion about feelings, how maybe when we're grieving, we really don't want to feel sad. But I can tell you all of the literature points to, and it's been my experience and that of my clients, that when we can actually sit with the difficult feeling, for me, I was overwhelmed, I was distracted, I was hurt and sad, all aspects of sad, very, very sad. Once I sat with that feeling, I was able to honor it and move then into not so much what I didn't want, but what I did want, and that was freedom. And I just went back to a practice that has always brought me freedom, and that was art. So let's talk about some of the more mm, tense feelings that we can feel. We can be repulsed by something. We can feel resentment and contempt for people. We can be apathetic in situations where we really should have a little bit more compassion because the situation warrants that. I mean, these are feelings of disgust, right? Just, I, I am turned off totally by this situation. And I think I felt in some ways some of that um, when I had so much responsibility that seemed to be all falling to me. And... Again, how can you be with that disgust? If you're mad, if you're annoyed, if you're frustrated and envious, that's all part of anger. How can you just be with that anger? Yes, I'm really angry today. Yes, I'm madder than a hornet. And that's how I feel about this. Deep breath. Yep. This is what it's like to be insert feeling. That's a really good go-to phrase. This is what it's like to be, insert, whatever that is. And sometimes that feeling is just anxiety about not knowing what the feeling is. You know, I'm just really anxious here. I'm worried. I'm scared. I, I, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Okay, this is what it's like to be anxious. This is what it's like to not know what's going on. This is what it's like to not be able to control a situation. This is what it's like. will help you stay in the moment with a feeling that maybe you've been otherwise avoiding and you may not even know what it is. So it's okay to insert, this is what it's like to be anxious. I'm anxious. And then we start to think about how the world does not revolve around us, right? There might be other people in the world who are feeling anxious. And this is very prevalent in the Hindu culture and the Buddhist culture. They're seeing the world as all connected. Everybody is one. So when you're feeling alone or angry or disgusted or afraid or sad or ashamed, imagine your arms reaching out and hugging all the other people in the world 
who are feeling that feeling right now. And just that act of extending yourself to other people and bringing them in closer to you is an act of compassion. And that compassion shows you that you have the ability to love, to give, to help. So you imagine yourself with a deep breath saying, this is what it's like to be anxious. May I embrace everybody in the world who's feeling that right now. May we all collectively honor that we're anxious, that our imagination is fast-forwarding to some doom and gloom ending that we don't want to experience. May we stay in the moment. May we all breathe deeply together. May we honor the anxiety that we feel. Yes, it is present. This is what it's like to be anxious. And then, may we all take a very deep breath in this still space moment. And on the exhale, release the anxiety that is just our egos trying to keep us safe, trying to make us small so that we don't fail or hurt big. May we release the heaviness of this and breathe and stay in the moment realizing I am safe right now, I am whole right now, I have others who care about me right now, I am not alone, we are all one. Now let's spend a little bit of time talking about the good feelings, the ones we gloss over because Oh, I don't want to feel happy or joyous for too long because I'm sure that axe is going to fall and something bad's going to happen. That's not healthy. That's foreboding joy. And we're not feeling, fully feeling and honoring the joy that is in our lives. And when we practice honoring the joyous feelings and allowing ourselves to feel them richly and fully, more joy shows up in our lives and we have more power over the anxiety, the sadness, the disgust, the anger, the more difficult feelings because we know how to process them as well. So imagine the next time one of your children gives you a hug or one of your team members compliments you or just does something really nice for you. I, I know in the last couple of weeks one of my Team members gave me a card for her two-year anniversary working for me. And I was, it's still sitting on my desk. I was so immensely touched that I just sat in my chair and stared at that card for a few minutes and said, this is success. This right here is success. So when you're feeling cheerful, satisfied, I love the word satisfied because thrive is implying that you need to be pushing yourself, that you're still proving yourself. No, when you're satisfied, when you feel valued at work, worthwhile, intelligent, confident, when you feel important and hopeful and full of faith and appreciated and respected, even proud, there's power in that. Power is not 
a bad word. When you are self-empowered, you have control over yourself, your emotions, your thoughts. You can see difficult thoughts and difficult emotions as temporary, not permanent, pervasive, and personal. You can allow them to be honored and flow through you. That's power. When you are feeling daring and risk-taking and fascinated and stimulated, even amused and laughing, delighted, aware, creative, and even playful, energetic, excited, sexy, that's joy. This is what it's like to feel joy. Wow. Let me sit in the wonder of joy. And maybe you're feeling pensive, but pensive in a way that's thoughtful. Maybe you're feeling relaxed and very responsive to people, listening very deeply. You have this sort of serene feeling about you. You don't need to go anywhere or do anything. Maybe you're a little sentimental, grateful, nurturing, very trusting in others, loving, intimate, thoughtful, content. These are all feelings of peace. Peace as a feeling is extremely rewarding. This is where you can just be somewhere. You can be watching somebody have an argument. You can be in a tense situation. People around you can be in chaos. But you know how to stand firmly, breathe deeply, and feel peace. The lighthouse does not fall into the ocean when the waves are lapping up on the side of it in a terrible storm. It stands guard, it stands its place, it's at peace. That is powerful. That is joyous. Power, peace, and joy all lie together when we know how to use the still space, a deep breath, a pause, to allow ourselves to assess the situation, realize we're not in imminent danger, that there are things outside of our control that we will observe from a third-party perspective, like a fly on the wall, but we do not need to immerse ourselves into the storm, jump off the top of the lighthouse into the water. We can observe what's going on from our place. Now, one thing that I find in my clients, one feeling that is sometimes difficult to process is pain. Many people have chronic pain at end of life. There's pain, uh, and there's also emotional pain. Most of what we've been talking to up until this point is emotional pain in the difficulty of sad and mad and scared. But physical pain can also be processed in the still space, with a deep breath, this is what it's like to feel pain and then name the spot. Because you can follow that with this is what it's like to not feel pain in a place that is not feeling pain. 
So you're transferring back and forth and showing yourself in a meditative state how I'm going to honor this pain that's here and now I'm going to focus over here on my wrist or my eyes or some other part of my body that is not in pain. And then a little self-hug, embrace my body, thank you for being here for me. Many people are at odds with their body. My body is failing me and, and that just isn't serving you. Your body has been there fighting everything off that it can to keep you healthy. And sometimes it's taxed. And sometimes we need to just embrace ourselves and say, may I be kind and gentle to you as you would to a child or a puppy. Thank you for serving me. Thank you for working so hard to keep me safe, to keep me healthy, to keep me alive. It's okay, you can take a break now. I've got this. Deep breath in, deep breath out. This is what it's like to feel pain. This is what it's like to feel a little scared if I can get this pain to stop or not. And then understanding this is what it's like to not feel pain over here. This is what it's like to feel joy that I have these people around me that love me. This is what it's like to feel grateful to have had the experiences that I've had to know how to deal with anxiety or pain or discomfort or discord within relationships. May I be well. So this sort of breathing techniques and meditative chanting, this is a process that we practice, that's why we call them mindful daily practices, to identify feelings that we're feeling, not turn away from them in a tense way, you can start to notice your whole body relaxing from your forehead, down into your jaw, down into the back of your throat, and down your spine, each vertebrae at a time, and your arms and shoulders relaxing, and even the organs inside your body and your torso relaxing into your hips, down through your legs, down into your knees and ankles and toes and releasing anything that doesn't belong. It's very helpful with feelings to identify where in your body you think you're holding them. Often it can be in your shoulders, it can be in your belly, it can be in your back, and this is where a lot of chronic pain comes from. So having a practice of identifying and honoring the pain, but also identifying and honoring joy and peace and power and hope. It's a skill and we learn it and we practice it and the more we do it, the better we are at it. So in closing, I will say you have so much power within you and the practice of feeling the feelings as opposed to avoiding them is what's going to give you even more power to regulate anything that comes your way that you don't like, but also appreciate and hold close the things that come your way that you enjoy, that bring you peace, that give you power. Wishing you your own power today, leader. Have a great day. 
Okay, leader, many of you have reached out and asked me what it's like to work with me in my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle. So I'm going to give you a very brief overview of exactly what you get in working with me for that six-month program. You get transformation. You get walking into any room, any situation, knowing you belong, having control, having people come to you. But on a tangible basis, what does that look like? It starts with seven one-on-one laser-focused individual coaching sessions with me over six months, and then access to the six months of live weekly small group coaching calls. And because you know I only coach a handful of people, sometimes there are only two or three people on those calls. Sometimes it's only you and me. So that's like another weekly coaching session. And you get to get the perspective of other executive leaders who are in the same place that you are. Get six-month access to my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life time-saving assets, trainings, modules, and all kinds of workbooks that personalize this to you. The self-discovery is inspiring. Can't wait to get on to the next module and see how much more self-control you'll have over those negative thoughts that have been holding you back. There's a private online community where we can share daily questions, but the special bonus is you have 24-7 email access to me. I'm your coach on call. You want me to look at your resume? I'm happy to. Any of the exercises that you're having difficulty with, you don't have to wait to the call. You just reach out to me and I will get back to you within 24 work hours. You're having a problem at work with somebody? I'm your coach on call. There's a leadership intake analysis that I read on my own time so that I can get more background on you and not have to use up your sessions with me. And exclusive to this program, Flow on the Go Weekly Planner, where you can track your routines, track your gratitude, track what's changing, what's showing up for you. Well, what does this look like over the six months, Mary Lee? Okay, number one, that first month, you notice your patterns, your habits. You start noticing the patterns and habits of others. You have defined your signature strengths and your personal values, and you're applying those. And now you're starting to dream again. You have a vision for yourself, for your career and your life. You've stopped judging yourself and others. In month two, this is where I've taught you how to self-regulate with curiosity. You process difficult and stale emotions and release them. You replace your stuck story with how you're not whatever enough. And you are now creating a career plan with confidence, feeling worthy. You have self-control over negative thoughts, over your behavior. And months three to six, you are playing blue sky big. You are soaring here. You are self-empowered. You execute your career and life plan. You shine, apply for stretch roles if that's what you want. You have better relationships and control over your food intake, your sleep, your exercise, your self-care. You have compassion for yourself. And you know that person that you really dislike? You actually have compassion for them. So there is a link in the show notes, maryleegannon.com slash consultation. Go ahead and apply. I will reach out. I'll set up a phone call with you. We can go over some of the details, but I'm interested in helping you Be that mindful leader with a satisfied life. And there's no reason to wait because it happens quickly. I'm glad you were with me today. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast 
and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.